We have a number of uh, solar arrays. In general, the solar arrays are offsetting diesel. The okay. diesel still exists because you can't count on solar arrays to provide um, uh, power 100% of the time, particularly in, an, in the Arctic where you have 24 hours of, day or of darkness in, in some times of the year. And then we're looking at uh, various different kinds of uh, uh, hydrokinetics anchored to bridge piers. So, so we're looking at a whole vast uh, array of uh, different kinds of things. This is Flux Capacitor, a podcast about the future of electricity. I'm Francis Bradley of the Canadian Electricity Association. We feature discussions about the future of the business of electricity on this podcast and what the future transformations will mean for electricity companies, regulators, society, and customers. Today's podcast is the second in a series of podcasts looking at the current challenges and future prospects of supplying electricity in Canada's north. Once again, this podcast was not recorded face-to-face, but using Zoom, and features my conversation with Noel Voiken, the President and CEO of Northwest Territories Power Corporation, headquartered in Hay River. Northwest Territories Power serves a population of 43,000 people spread across 33 communities on 1.1 million square kilometers. Here is my conversation with Noel, recorded in late June 2020. Noel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Francis. I'm glad you were able to join us as we've spoken previously that we're doing a bit of a bit of a series here on the podcast about some of the differences and the challenges of the North and uh, the, the electricity business in the North today and looking ahead to the future. So maybe a starting point would be for those that are not familiar with Northwest Territories Power Corporation. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the company? All right. Well, just, just at a very high level. Uh, the North is fed by, or shall I say, three different uh, types of power, let's say. Two independent grids, uh, one on the north side of uh, Great Slave Lake, which feeds uh, Yellowknife and our larger communities, uh-huh. and then one on the south side of uh, Great Slave Lake. On the south side, we have a single hydro generator at the Tolston, or on the Tolston River on the east side of the territory. Right. Uh, that that uh, generator feeds all of the uh, communities on the south side of the lake and then uh, some potential mining developments that we're expecting uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. That, that uh, area has significant um, hydro potential, uh, up to 200 megawatts. Right. Uh, that's a large part of the future of the territory. On the north side of the lake, we were fed by uh, two hydro systems, uh, one from the Yellowknife River at the Bluefish Dam, and then a second one on the Tolston River, which includes uh, four different facilities uh, located at a fly-in area about 150 kilometers north of Yellowknife. Okay. In addition to that, we have uh, 20, well, uh, approximately 30 communities uh, fed by ourselves and uh, Northland Utilities, a uh, subsidiary of ATCO, mm-hmm. uh, that, that are fed uh, by microgrids uh, that are in, in general less than a megawatt. There's two or three that are larger. Uh, the, the Anuvik system is six megawatts and then, uh, and then uh, Fort Simpson's uh, um, in around three megawatts 
and then a couple of others that are just slightly over a megawatt. The real uniqueness of the northern system is the necessity for reliability that that's slightly different from the southern systems. Right. So if I if I if I think of our two most northern communities, Alakatuk uh, and uh, or Lakatuk, and, and my pronunciation is bad, and then uh, Saks Harbor. Uh, both of them are fed by communities that are on the north side of the Beaufort Sea. Uh, they're subject to significant uh, storms in the winter. They're difficult to access, and we typically uh, only have a single remote operator. This is, this is uh, consistent with many of our communities, but those are the two uh, most significant communities. So a blizzard can come into those communities and last several days and uh, deny access to our crews. So reliable... Um, uh, I'll say reliable um, proper maintenance is is even more critical in those communities, although it is critical in uh, many of our communities. So a, a level of redundancy that you've got to build in as well, because you're you, exactly. you don't have a grid to rely on. And exactly, yeah. yeah. So that'll be that'll be an issue for all of those thirty odd communities that are. Yeah. That are, very so. And then there's no no connection between um, your northern grid, the, the grid north of the lake, and the grid south of the lake, right? Today, there is not. Okay. Yeah, that, that's in our future planning, but there is not today. Okay. How far, how far away would that, uh, that kind of a change be? Um, the, it's in this government's mandate. So uh, the intent is that we would get that project uh, off the ground and, and moving as soon as possible. There, right now, it's sitting at a pre-feasibility level. Mm-hmm. My guess would it, we're probably five to seven years away from seeing a project like that uh, implemented. Okay. And then what kind of a distance is that to, to connect up those two grids? It, it depends uh, exactly how we do it, but uh, right, the, the most direct route is about 80 kilometers. Okay. Uh, and, and that 80 kilometers would be a submarine cable between uh, the Tolson River and uh, Yellowknife. Oh, okay. Hey, one of the things that, uh, that I ask a, lo- a lot of folks that come onto the podcast is um, I'm, I'm always interested in, in the route people take to get to, to the, uh, the, the role that they have today. You know, I, I always make the joke, uh, uh, you know, when you were a young, a, a young lad in the schoolyard, did you dream of um, running a, a utility in northern Canada? What was, what was your path um, from a career standpoint that, that brought you to this role at uh, Northwest Territories Power Corporation? It's interesting. If I, I've, I've always been interested in leadership. So, so if I if I think of the path my career followed, um, I I started off uh, out of high school in the military uh, as a as an enlisted um, uh, in person. Uh, quickly realized that I wanted to uh, be a leader, so I went to university, or shall I say, started university, uh, rejoined the military as an officer. Mm-hmm. Once I once I. Uh, well, then I'll say once I left the military, I joined uh, Transalta, uh, moved up into leadership roles early in my career, right. uh, moved over to um, the consulting industry and, and um, I'll say tried to make a mark there once again. Uh, uh, I've always been, a, I'll say, somebody that, that, that would have been considered uh, um, a change leader. Mm-hmm. So. So I made some changes and uh, developed uh, the business there. From there, I moved over to SAS Power and on a, in a business role. Uh, I, I managed uh, the oil field key accounts for SAS Power and then uh, moved over into the nuclear industry. So I spent, uh, I think I spent <laughs> about 10 
in the nuclear industry and left as uh, as Cameco's uh, engineering executive. Okay, yeah. And then, uh, and then um, this was the next logical step. Uh, this opportunity came available, and and uh, I'll say it's 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 been uh, a fascinating uh, role. And uh, um, I'll say every everything a person thought about being a CEO is different than when you actually get in the role. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, I'll say the one, the biggest thing I probably had to learn when I came to this role is the idea of uh, communications. So, <laughs> so I, if I think of all of the leadership roles I had till this point in my career, um, didn't involve the degree of uh, communications, uh, I'll say communications with boards, communications with governments, right. communications with the public. Uh, pe- pe- people need to know what's going on. And, and people need to have confidence uh, that things are being handled appropriately. And the only way to do that is to communicate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's been, I guess, what, a little bit less than two years that you've been in the role now? Yeah, it's it just, well, around a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. So what's the, uh, apart from communications, um, um, what was the, the biggest surprise uh, for you um, when, uh, when, um, you know, when you kind of look back over the last 18 months, what was the thing that uh, quite apart from COVID-19, <laughs> but, um, yeah, when you look at you, know, when you look back over the last year and a half, what did you, what do you find the most surprising that you hadn't anticipated that was, uh, was something that, that came along with this new role? Hmm. That's an interesting question. I, I think probably the most surprising was the, was when, when, when I came into the role, uh, I believed I had a good handle on uh, on what I needed to know, uh, and and I think when I when I came here, what I the biggest learning was that I had a lot to learn. Right. So so uh, I had uh, it was it, it was very different working with a board, uh, um, and 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 understanding what the board required in terms of uh, governance, uh, the uh, the need the need to. Um, uh, to explain or should I say to provide uh, appropriate messaging to the public, uh, the need to understand uh, strategy, all of those sorts of things. I, I, I came into the role believing that I had a solid background and, and what I realized was I had a lot to learn and I'm still learning. Right. So what is the, what is the, um, um, the place that uh, Northwest Territory Power Corporation plays in the fabric of, society there because it it's it's different than than it would be in some of the other companies that you've you've worked at previously right yeah the the northwest territories uh power corporation would be one of the largest business entities in the northwest territories so so it's it's very much in the public eye uh also uh it's very uh it's a very large employer in the northwest territories um from a from a the government uh, of the Northwest Territories themselves is would be the largest employer up here, but but from a technical role, the Northwest Territories Power Corporation um, would would be where where most of the trade staff uh, would would work. Um, we th- there's a there's an expectation that um, that I develop apprentices, uh, develop the local uh, economy uh, um, when when um, new mines come. To, to the forefront, uh, we're involved in those discussions. So, so, so I, I would suggest uh, we have we have quite a huge impact in uh, I'll say the economic uh, the economic health of the territory. 
Right. So we talked a little bit about um, the the two hydro-based grids, uh, the north and south of the lake. I, I'm interested in those the 30 other communities. Um, so currently, um, they're being served principally by diesel. Um, is that is that the way it currently is? And then what's the future prospect? So there, there's a there's a few things here. So so many of them are being served by diesel, and I would yeah. say all of them are being uh, at least partially served by diesel. Okay. Um, in in Inuvik, uh, the corporation uh, went to a significant or went through a significant uh, change to uh, convert from diesel to LNG. Okay. Although yep. Yep. They're still there for redundancy. Uh, LNG is uh, is supplying the vast majority of the load these days. Mm-hmm. The one of the local uh, indigenous groups in that area uh, is just uh, in the process of looking at. Uh, the possibility of, uh, of, of developing uh, a stable natural gas supply in that area. So that'll save us from uh, bringing it in from the south. So what it does is keeps more employment local uh, and also creates, a, 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 I'll say, a, a positive environmental uh, impact, right? So, so LNG is about 40% of the emissions of diesel. Right. And then the other nice thing about LNG, uh, there's, there's some debate on this, but when you spill LNG, it more or less evaporates. Mm-hmm. So there is still an environmental impact and a cleanup that's required, but the, but wherever you are on that debate spectrum, uh, there's less damage created by spilling LNG than by spilling diesel. So, so there's that uh, impact as well. Mm-hmm. That's a new Vic. We also are, uh, we have a number of uh, solar arrays. In general, the solar arrays uh, are, are offsetting diesel. The okay. diesel They'll exist because you can't count on solar arrays yeah. to, to provide um, uh, power 100% of the time, particularly in an, in the Arctic where you have 24 hours of day or of darkness in, in some times of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also uh, piloting some uh, VSG uh, technology, which is which is a variable speed generator. Okay. So the variable speed generating or variable speed generators uh, allow us to do is to um, well, they allow us to do a couple of things. One, one, they allow a higher penetration of solar. They'll run stable at uh, higher penetrations of solar. Mm-hmm. So, one of the one of the gaps that we have in 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 terms of solar, uh, there there's a general rule of thumb of of having twenty percent uh, penetration in your grid of of renewables. And and the reason that pen, or the reason that exists is it is it tends to create uh, instability and maintenance issues in your uh, diesel generation. So the VSG allows you to exceed that cap. So we're we're piloting some technology like that in the Glavic. Uh, we're also looking at a number of battery technologies to to provide that uh, stability as well. We have batteries in Colville Lake, mm-hmm. and we're also looking at um, uh, adding some batteries in Anuvik. We're looking at a wind turbine in Anuvik. Uh, that project is expected to go into service, and uh, it, it, it's been delayed due to some regulatory issues, but probably 2022. Right. Um, and then we're looking at uh, various different kinds of uh, run-of-the-river projects. So, okay. yeah. um, uh, hydrokinetics, which is effectively a, a, um, a barge that's sunk onto the bottom of the river. We're mm-hmm. looking at a technology called a hydrokite, which is essentially an anchored uh, generation system. Um, we're looking at uh, um, uh, 
different kinds of uh, hydrokinetic systems anchored to bridge piers. So, so we're looking at a whole vast uh, array of uh, different kinds of things. Uh, we, we have even uh, been keeping a fairly close eye on the small modular reactor market. So in general, oh, okay. yep. in general yep. at, the, at the SMRs, most of them are too big for our needs. Mm -hmm. But, but uh, who knows, as the technology develops and they get smaller, perhaps there's a, a place for them in our grid in the future, in, at least in some of the larger areas. Right. You mentioned, you mentioned um, batteries uh, and um, some, of the, some of the tests that you're conducting there. How likely is it that storage is going to be critical to being able to unlock more uh, uh, renewables? Well, the way, the way the market sits right now, uh, we only really have two, two, two ways of exceeding that 20% cap, either through storage of some form or through uh, a right. technology like this VSG technology. So, so storage is absolutely critical. Yeah. You mentioned uh, one of the projects. Uh, it was a, a, a local Indigenous community that was, uh, was um, looking to develop it. How important are those partnerships and those relationships, and how important are they going to be in the future? I think they're, they're critical today. And uh, as the world moves forward, I think they'll be even more critical. Uh, community, most of our, most of our uh, um, renewable projects are, are driven by the community in some form. Okay. So, so, so typically, uh, we, we don't approach the community, the community approaches us. So moving, moving forward, uh, we wanna be more actively engaged in that market but the community definitely uh, supports and the community, I would say beyond supports, I would say the communities uh, expect that uh, renewables will be part of our future and that they will be part of uh, helping us to develop those renewables. What about climate change? We, we, you, you joked before we, before we started the podcast that it was a, it was a nice and, and hot uh, weekend recently, but are you starting to see uh, impacts on your operations uh, because of of a uh, overall warming trend in the climate, or is that still you know uh, into the future? No, we most definitely are seeing uh, impacts on our operations. Uh, we're uh, we we are looking at uh, plant replacements because foundations are failing because permafrost is uh, moving. Um, right. We're, 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 we haven't we have an area where one of our plant uh, or shall I say once again it's a permafrost issue. Uh, along a river, the the bank has been eroded away because the permafrost has disappeared. So we're actually um, rebuilding the plant uh, in order to to address that issue. Um, we yeah, we, there, there's quite a number of areas where we're where we're already seeing that impact. Permafrost is the biggest thing for us. Uh, and so as we uh, as we as a country attempt to address um, the uh, you know the, the increasing challenges of climate change. We've got a, a government that's committed to uh, net zero by 2050 in terms of GHG. Um, what, what does electrification look like uh, from uh, your perspective? Because I'm assuming it looks a little bit different than it, than it may in the South. When we're talking about electrification, it's principally about you know, electric vehicles and electrifying public transit, but you're in a different world. What is the, what's the electrification future look like uh, in the territory? I, I think it looks, uh, it looks community specific in many instances. So if I, so if I, if I think of, um, I'll say the North and South Sclave grids, uh, our biggest goal 
greenhouse gas reduction project would would be to connect the north and south grids. Be uh, there's a there's a large mining corridor north uh, east of uh, Yellowknife, uh, which is known as the the Slave Geological Province. Mm-hmm. That that where uh, some of the largest mining potential is in the territory, which 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 will be a large part of the the territory's economic future. So so. The, the problem is is the, is the amount of generation <clears throat> that's available in the North Slave uh, won't match the needs of that mining area. Oh, okay. so, so the generation, the biggest generation potential we have right now is in the, is on the Tolston River in the in the southeast corner of the province. So that gotcha. interconnection and development of that generation will be a large part of uh, the future. Um, in in many of the communities, uh, LNG will play uh, a large part of the future. Uh, uh, not that we're eliminating greenhouse gases by doing that, but what we're doing is we're reducing them significantly. Yeah. So we're from uh, we're, we're taking them to a factor of about 0.4 of where they would be today. Right. That once again, that won't be that won't be the solution in all communities. Um, wind will play a part of the future. Uh, in some cases, uh, we have some uh, relatively uh, windy, or shall I say, relatively good wind regimes for to add windmills. Uh, solar panels will always uh, be part of the future up here, mm-hmm. and and I think uh, these hydrokinetic run of the river projects will also uh, play a, a part in the future. All of the other technologies I've spoken about are all. Um, proven technologies that are that are either being applied by by us or or someone else today. Right. Some of the hydrokinetic technologies are, are are newer and and still under development. Uh, I I think though that as we move forward, those will also uh, play a part in 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 the future of uh, electricity in the territories. Okay, and then your your uh, the LNG that uh, is currently being used in. And the future prospects for more LNG, that's all coming in by marine at this stage? No, it's, uh, it's coming up the Dempster Highway mainly, Alberta up the Dempster Highway. So it's being trucked in? Trucked in. Yeah, yeah. Okay. One of the other things I, I wanted to touch on was, was sustainability, because um, mm-hmm. I know you've uh, recently joined um, uh, CEA sustainability, uh, board level uh, sustainability uh, committee. The Sustainable Electricity Committee. Um, what does what does uh, sustainability um, look like from uh, the perspective of Northwest Territories Power Corporation? I, I think it looks like uh, uh, I'll say a, a number of a number of things. First off, uh, we need to do something to get our rates more in line with the rest of Canada. So uh, Northwest Territories Power right now is in a has among the highest rates in Canada. Uh, okay. We have about five times the national average, give or take. So, so we need to do something about that. Uh, the other part is, is we, we have a large capital plan that needs to be uh, executed over the next uh, several years. So, so we need to bring our system back up to uh, today's standards. Uh, over, over the years, uh, there's, there's a number of, uh, I'll say, most of our system has deteriorated and, uh, and requires uh, some form of capital upgrade. So particularly our, our, our large hydro units. So, mm-hmm. so we have uh, a number of those uh, units um, in line for, for rebuild over the next several years. Right. And, and, and then, and then uh, the other part is, is that we're, 
we we are in a position for all of our other communities that we are um, that we are being proactive with our customers, mm-hmm. uh, proactively looking at uh, projects that are of interest to them, uh, proactively looking at uh, options that make sense for our customers, mm-hmm. and 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 then ultimately, if you come back full circle, the 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 whole the whole idea of uh, sustainability uh, to me comes back to customers believing we're doing the right thing all the time. Uh, so, so, so to build that trust with our customers and then, uh, and then continuously reinforce that we've earned that trust. Yeah. And one of the other things I, I've, I've heard you talk about uh, and be interested to, to get your views uh, is with respect to the workforce of the future and uh, the challenge challenges that, that you've talked to colleagues about uh, to try and ensure that, uh, you're developing uh, that workforce and, you, and you're developing it in the territory. Maybe talk a little bit about that. That's got to be quite the challenge. Yes, that, that is a key part I missed. So, so there's, a, there's, a, there's a couple things in there. One, we're, uh, we're a smaller uh, organization. We're, we're exactly one deep in many of our, our key areas, areas like uh, right. risk management, uh, customer service. Uh, uh, we, we have a small engineering team. So, so all of those areas, uh, we we need to um, uh, figure out how uh, we create services in those areas where where we have staff under development, and uh, and then we also have uh, I'll say we have our next generation and we have our present generation, and, mm-hmm. and when we lose somebody, that somebody just simply steps up into that role. So, so to do that, we need to work with uh, the education system in the in the NWT to to get more local uh, residents uh, engaged in the utility. So, so as we are today, many of our our university educated uh, uh, positions are are people that come in from outside of the territory. Uh, I'd like to see us change that. I'd like to uh, work with uh, the high schools and and work with the education system up here to to get those people uh, from within the territory. So, so, so the, the, the most likely people to stay with the company are the people that, uh, that have their roots here. Right. And yeah, when, it, when I was talking to Andrew Hall at uh, UConn Energy, um, he's talked uh, about, you know, projects and, and, and other initiatives that they've got with UConn. Well, now UConn University used to, used to be UConn College, but yeah. you, you don't you don't have a a, a higher education institution uh, resident in in Northwest Territories, right? Not today. Yeah. There's the, there's a dream to build that uh, that higher education, but we don't have it today. So right. our our way of doing that would be to to have students uh, be developed in Southern universities and then come back to the Northwest Territories. Gotcha. No, one of the questions that I that I ask everybody who uh, I invite onto the podcast is about a book, uh, either the book that they're currently reading or a book they've recently read that they would recommend to the listener of the podcast. So, for you, what would the, what would that book be? That's interesting. It's a book I've read and reread, and uh, I'll say probably reread three or four times, and I always get something new out of it. It's uh, Patrick Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Uh, every 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 time I read that book, I I, uh, I I think I got it the first time, and then I I always pull out a few new tidbits that uh, that that help me to work closer with my executive team. 
Gotcha. Okay. Noel, thank you very much for jumping on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I've enjoyed it as well. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Flux Capacitor and invite you to tune in for future discussions and podcasts. Coming up will be additional conversations on the challenges of electricity in Canada's north, as well as more in our series of podcasts on lessons learned from the COVID-19 pandemic. As always, we invite you to continue the electricity conversation on our Facebook page, on Twitter, and at electricity.ca.